My name is Will Fitzgerald and this is the Go Away Film Podcast. We're continuing our countdown to Halloween by talking to horror filmmakers about their new movies and today I'm talking to Northern Irish filmmaker Ashlyn Clark about her debut film, the Magdalen Laundry set found footage horror, The Devil's Doorway. The film premiered at the Seattle International Film Festival, it was a big hit at Galway and it had a critically acclaimed UK premiere at Fright Fest just last month. Uh, Ashley, thanks for talking to us today. Um, so, just start off by telling us a bit about yourself. You're screenwriter, director, lecturer. Um, who is Ashley Clark? Uh, I'm Ashley Clark. I'm, uh, as you say, a screenwriter, a filmmaker, lecturer. I lecture in script writing at Queen's University up in Belfast, and um, which is nice because it works in around my other work, like uh, my filmmaking and script writing. Yep. So, this is your first feature. This is my Correct. first feature, yeah. yes. Um, you've been, what have you done in the past? You've made some shorts, you've been writing scripts. Well, I went to film school uh, in the year 2000, and which seems like a very long time ago now. And at that time uh, in Belfast, they just started that course. And it was more about film studies rather than tech or practical aspects of filmmaking. But they did have a camera somewhere in the depths of some building that you could sign out if nobody else had it. I don't know if I ever even saw that camera. Um, there wasn't really a practical element in the course, although it was encouraged that you'd make your own films. I had a Super 8 camera, um, which I think I got from uh, my dad had Super 8 and Super 16s back in the day. And uh, I made my films, my first films back then on Super 8 film and I edited them myself and kind of did a lot of stop motion stuff and things that I could do myself without involving anyone else that you could kind of work on and tinker mm. over. I did some music videos and uh, visuals for uh, nightclubs and things like that. And then worked in TV for a number of years in production and then eventually thought, well, I really want to be writing films. It's just something I always wanted to do and I'd never really had a proper crack at. So I went to New York and I did a diploma in screenwriting at the New York Film Academy. Came back to Northern Ireland, went to Queen's to do the, the MA that I currently teach uh, in script writing and that's when I seriously started writing films and that's about eight years ago now. So since then I've made a number of shorts that were funded and uh, that weren't just me on my on my own with my Super 8 camera and uh, then eventually this came along so I've made The Devil's Doorway. I also work as a working screenwriter so I write for other people as well. I'm not always writing my uh, stuff for just myself to, okay. to make and yeah. I also am attached to other projects as a director so combo of all those things. Yeah cool and um, so what's uh, like your process like for uh, because like script writing seems to be like you know your primary discipline you're lecturing in it and then you you wrote the script for the Doe's story right so what is you like when you like what's a what's a good day's writing for you? Well, I mean, writing is a sort of a um, a kind of a process where there's a lot of very intense focused work and then there's a lot of, for me, and I think every writer works in their own way, I do an awful lot of walking my dogs if you're stuck. or And I've actually spoken to a lot of writers who work like this in all forms of writing, not just script writing. If you, if you hit a bump and you think, I don't know how to solve this problem, just go out and go for a walk and somehow it magically... Solves yeah. it. That was Stephen so, King's advice, I think, wasn't it? At some point, that's to, like, right. Take he it, says you know, that also, like, yeah. but it really does work, I think, and it somehow clears the head. I think the the mechanical action of walking uses a part of your brain that frees up 
something that allows you to solve problems. It's kind of weird how it works. But um, and then there'll be many days where you're sitting just on the hours fly by. Those are great days when the hours fly by and you're not just staring at the screen thinking, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. But when it's just coming really quickly. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah a bit of ups and downs in that respect. Are you like a like a morning time writer, like a late night person? It's like, do you is there an hour where the muse comes, or do you have like a regiment of you know I'm going to sit down, I'm going to hit this word count? I would love to be one of those people who has who can be regimented about it. So I know writers who say, well, it's New Year's Day every single New Year's Day. First thing I do, start off the new year, I sit down and I write at least five hundred words. And it sounds lovely, but the reality is on New Year's Day, I always end up doing something else or, you know, <laughs> I'm just not the kind of person who can work in a very set pattern. It just comes when it comes and that's when I do it. So sometimes I tend to wake very early in the morning, about five o'clock in the morning. And sometimes um, maybe not write anything at all or even have even think about it. But sometimes that's the moment when you it just comes to you. I can't mm-hmm. control when it happens and I just go with it when it does. Yeah. And it's I, I find it really interesting to say that like you you know made early stuff on sixteen mil and like on Super Eight because obviously if, like you know when you watch The Devil's Doorway, uh, there's clearly like a bit of an influence there. Was that just you know you harkening back to your own like you know what you knew or was that inspired by other things? Obviously, I really like film because that's how I started out working with real film, and um, there's just a a quality, a texture to it that I don't think you can replicate easily. For The Devil's Doorway, and it was a feature film, I'd made shorts on 35mm as well, and uh, The Devil's Doorway being a feature film, that was quite a a risk nowadays. Producers see that as being a risk, you know, it's kind of hard to convince them to go with that, but because both me and my DP, Ryan Kernan, had shot in film before, we were able to convince them that we were experienced enough with the medium that we could we could do it. So um, they allowed us to shoot it on film. We managed to win that battle. The concession that was made was that we would shoot anything that was uh, that needed VFX or a lot of post production. We would shoot it digitally, so you had more room to play with it in post. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think the using the film, the sixteen millimeter really paid off in terms of selling the aesthetic of that film as a as a found document from it really from did. 1960 yeah. because they wouldn't have had digital they would have shot it in 16 and it made sense and i think that really helps and when you're talking about fine footage there's so much of it out there it really felt that if we were going to do it we needed to do it right and really sell it rather than go halfway so yeah. luckily they agreed with us and they went with it that's great tell us about um like some more of the obstacle like tell us about you know just getting your first feature out into the world like what did it take were there any other concessions that you had to be made like how did you go about finding your collaborators well I think filmmaking is always about particularly when there's it's one thing right when I was making my films on Super 8 I could do whatever I wanted I was I I'd buy my own film I would shoot my own things I was in complete and utter control and that's one thing but when you're making a funded feature film that has a lot of people involved with it and people have put money into it and all that. You've got a lot more people to answer to. There's always going to be uh, compromises along the way and things that you have to, that you maybe, you feel like, well, we could have done it like that or, you know, and it's the same for everybody that's involved with it. And there were some things like that. Um, And I think that's true for all feature films. In terms of how, uh, well, I had already worked with Ryan, the DP. I'd already worked with Brian, who edited it. And I knew a lot of the people on the crew and things like that. The producers actually came to me in the first instance and they had an idea for a very different film that they were looking at director for. Um, they wanted to make a modern day found footage film set in an abandoned Magdalene laundry. 
um, and they wanted to shoot it on pretend they were talking about GoPros. So it was a very different project. Mm. Uh, it would have been something maybe more like Grave Encounters, more of a traditional modern yeah. fan footage film. And I thought, well, I love the idea of making a horror film about Magdalene Laundries. I'd been really interested in them for a long time and I'd done a lot of research on them when I worked in TV for a documentary it didn't end up happening, but I'd spoken to Magdalene survivors and I was really interested in that. And I think horror is a great mechanism for um, the way we can understand and unpack real human trauma. I think it works really well for that. And if you think of films like Get Out that deal with real social issues and they use horror as a heightened metaphor, I thought there was a real opportunity to do something interesting in that vein. But I thought... Where's the real human drama in it? It's not now uh, where these the people who really are experiencing the actual horror then are just ghosts or figments from the past. I thought, let's what if we set it in 1960 and uh, shoot it on 16 millimeter and make it very present and immersive? And um, they could they were speaking to other directors at the time, I think, and they could have went with somebody else. But I really felt that it had to be done like this. I didn't I didn't think I could do a good job or I don't know if anyone could have done a good job, but I don't think I could have with the um, the modern day one. Mm-hmm. And it felt like this would be something really fresh in the subgenre. So luckily for me, they really liked the idea and they went with me on that. And that brings us to where we are. That's great. And it really does feel like it's been made by, um, you know, someone who has a deep appreciation of the genre, who loves horror. Like, have you always loved the genres? Yeah. Like, well, my dad was a massive horror fan and um, my childhood were all, I was the youngest of four and I saw things that I probably shouldn't have seen like <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street when I was about seven and The Exorcist when I was only about the same age, maybe eight and they absolutely terrified me but I loved them and that was a real part of our week on Friday night. We would go to the video shop and we'd pick out a scary film and um, my mum was not into them at all. She would stay out of the room Dad would kind of censor them. If there was something he thought was too extreme, he would stop the tape and then uh, fast forward and then bring you back, you know. And <laughs> Isn't that more scary? Like not oh, finding out what happens? The, like, fill in the blanks. Yeah. And that's a good point. Maybe that's part of the road that I took. I started <laughs> filling in the blanks. So I was kind of writing part of Nightmare on Elm Street myself in my head, you know. But uh, I've always loved the genre and um, I'm a massive fan of it. So just... I don't know what it is about it that fascinates me. I think it's, again, the age-old human thing where we use horror to learn about the world and Mm -hmm. to understand fear. We've done it since caveman days, probably. You know, all the old fairy tales from hundreds of years ago are, those are horror stories. So I think it's a very natural human medium. Yeah. What are some of your favorites? Like, what are your touchstones in the horror genre? Well, there's so many. Um, I love Rosemary's Baby, which I think is not... It's a brilliant horror film, but it's it's not just that. It's it's also a beautiful, uh, beautifully designed film more than anything else. It's just exquisite to look at, mm. and Roman Polanski's choices and how he and how he edits in particular are really striking. I love that film. I love The Exorcist, of course. Um, mm. I love let's say like uh, Don't Look Now, and I love a lot of the other more cheesier, more fun films as well. But in terms of the ones that I really have a big affection for, I old classics like Nosferatu um, and then more modern days I thought Get Out was brilliant I saw Hereditary a couple of weeks ago and I thought it was absolutely magnificent yeah. I don't know if you've seen it but I just thought it was so good yeah. that's a really really good film and uh, yeah I mean I, I'm like most horror fans I have a voracious appetite for what's out there and I watch everything good bad and indifferent 
uh, not absolutely everything, but I watch a lot of horror films and um, I'm always just, it's that's my genre. I watch films in general, like I did a film degree, it wasn't horror specific, mm-hmm. but uh, and I did an MA as well, but yeah. I yeah, it. I don't know what it is, but I think horror fans have a deeper appreciation for what we would call bad. I mean, every horror fan I know, you know, testifies that they love bad horror movies, <laughs> but you know, like it's like guilty pleasure or something. I don't know what that's Yeah, about. well, I mean, there's not every film has to be, a brilliant work of art there's some of them that are just fun and they're entertaining to watch and they're not the most amazing thing you'll ever see but they're still enjoyable you know mm-hmm. so things like um demon night which is a kind of cheesy one from the mid 80s it's it's good fun to watch you know if you're just sitting in on a friday night and you want to get some popcorn and be entertained rather mm-hmm. than think and there's some horror films that i really like and really appreciate but are just something like hereditary i wouldn't watch just for the fun it's such a there's so many layers to that it's a really intense experience and that's completely different to something that's just for you to sit back and uh, enjoy yourself with Mm -hmm. yeah and um what do you think of i mean there's this sort of um trend right now that's been identified by some at least of you know female directed horror films that are sort of you know refreshing the genre in a way when you look at films like raw or like uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and things like that. Have you been a fan of any of those? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, some of those new films that have come out have been from female directors have been really, really good. Things like The Babadook, I thought was great. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Um, uh, you mentioned Raw, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night as well. And there's something just where they seem to be coming from slightly left field. You can tell that these people love the genre, but they... they the eyes that they use to watch it is different somehow. Mm-hmm. They're just bringing a completely fresh perspective to it. But you get that with male-directed horror films as well. Like Hereditary has that feeling to it also, mm-hmm. and so did Get Out, where they feel just very fresh. I think there's been some kind of a revival in horror films. We've had ups and downs for decades, and there's there's always been good ones coming out. But in the past couple of years, there's been a glut of good ones. And I think it's partly because there's this talk about elevated horror and horror is getting more it has more cachet as mm-hmm. a as an artistic medium it's not where it used to be people would think oh it's horror and they'd roll their eyes it has more cachet now so i think yeah. there's um really quality filmmakers who are getting the opportunity to use that medium to tell their stories yeah i think we'll all feel a sense of gratitude to like jordan peele in the future now that like a horror film has won an oscar it's, you know yes. i think we'll see a lot more than being it changes, up, it changes everything yeah. somehow it changes everything and you mentioned like you know obviously like uh you mentioned the exorcist which seemed at least when you watched the devil's story like it would be a big touchstone you know we've got an old priest and a young priest and the rest of it but i I think I read somewhere you had mentioned that you were actually more inspired by films like, you know, like by like Vertov and stuff like that yeah. uh, in terms of the, um, you know, I guess the aesthetic or maybe some of the style you were going for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I love The Exorcist and it's going to get those comparisons because there's um, a, a hint of possession in it and uh, you, know, you have two priests, you know, so it's always going to get that. But and I love that film. Mm. But for me, certainly in terms of the style and the texture of it I was I was thinking of again I was trying to create a do- something that looked like a document of the time mm. so I went back and looked at um films which I hadn't seen since my student days um I, I watched them again 
the Vertov, which you referenced, and the Maisel's Brothers Cinema Verite documentaries from the 60s. And I felt like that has the kind of look and feel that I need for this, for it to feel authentic from that time. And they're shooting in, the, in a very similar kind of mode. So um, in terms of the aesthetic, that's definitely, those were my touchstones. Mm-hmm. I was also looking at um, Gothic paintings, particularly an artist called Odilon Redon. I don't know if you know. Not familiar. Um, and there's a lot of negative space a lot of shadow and uh, in terms of how we were looking at lighting I was thinking about things like that um, I suppose I'm always going to be influenced even subconsciously without thinking about it by films that I've seen many many times and that I love like The Exorcist but it wasn't something that I was in fact I was I was conscious of not wanting to be too close to that because mm-hmm. of the subject matter and because that's where people would go and I don't necessarily uh, want to line myself up against that film because I think this is a completely different type of film and it's, it's uh, different in nearly every way in terms of what I'm trying to say or about what's what I hope is coming across yeah but yeah I was looking at um I was looking at those old cinema verite docs was any part of you nervous at all like you know making like a Magdalene laundry horror I mean the stories are still coming out and you know these Magdalene the women who are in those laundries are still you know looking for justice there was like a day just recently in Dublin was any part of you like oh is this too soon or like do you did you think well, you know you know the as I say the producers came to me and they were mm-hmm. talking to other people as well and if I hadn't made this film they may well have made the modern day film with somebody else mm-hmm. and actually at the time I felt a great need to I felt a, I felt like it had to be me and we had to do it like this and one of the reasons for that is because I have a great a great sympathy for these women and a sense of empathy for the people who suffered in these places and also for the children that were lost. So I the last Magdalene Audrey closed in 1996. I had my son when I was 17 in 1997. So I feel like I could have been one of those people. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in a good place to represent their their voices. And I my aim was to do so with the most integrity and the most empathy for for those people and not in any way to be exploitative i think it would have really annoyed me mm-hmm. if if somebody else had made the film and they'd made something that that didn't care about yeah. the subject matter as much as i did yeah so a part of it was like well i have to make this or someone yeah, else I, will do like a terrible I job i felt very <laughs> i felt very driven to and it was a risk because i knew i went back to them and i wasn't saying yes i can do the film you want to do i said i can't do that film uh, I can do this one. I would do yeah. this film. And luckily for me, they went for that. That's great. And so, I mean, you're uh, leaving the FLA to go to the IFC Center where it's getting an outing, right? And you've been in Seattle. Um, how's, the, how's the reception uh, going around the world? It's been going really well. So far, it's been uh, all in the States. So Chicago, Seattle, and then it'll be opening uh, to the public, just general public in the IFC. Um, Well, actually, in select theatres all across the States, but I'm going to be present at the IFC opening on Friday night. Um, And it's been going really well. I mean, I've been really charmed with how it went. You never know once you're making a film and you get so close to it that you can't see it with fresh eyes anymore. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to tell how people are going to respond to it. But so far, it's been um, really positive. I've had a lot of great feedback from people and, um, you know, a Q&A's after screenings that I've been to, or even if I haven't been at the screening and people have gotten in touch with me on Twitter or whatever to express how much they like the film. And that's really nice to hear that it's finding a home with some people anyway. I mean, not everybody's going to like every film. Mm-hmm. So there will be pre- people, I'm sure, who don't like this one, but that's not really my responsibility or my concern. 
once I make it, I put it out there and the people who like it, those are the people I made it for. So yeah. it's, it is finding a home. That's great. And so something you just touched on there actually was like, was there a point during, like how long was pr between production and post, like how long were you making um, The Devil's Doorway in total? Um, for various financial reasons and so on, it was quite a long time. It was over, I think the production was really quick. It was, we shot it in 16 days, I think what it was, wow. what it was, but it took us over a year to make the whole thing because, and there was a long time of nothing happening simply because we just had no money and had to get more money from somewhere. Um, and it was a low budget film, you know, so, and also people start working on other things as well in the meantime. So there was a bit of a hiatus in the min in the middle, but uh, I think in total probably just over a year. Wow. And did you, like, at any point in that, um, you know, process, like you were saying there, was there a point where you were like, you know, I can't see the wood from the trees here anymore. Like I need to take a step back or did it help to have, you know, collaborators, collaborators to put fresh eyes on it? Well, I think because I didn't, it wasn't that I, I would have loved to have the luxury of spending a long time in post tinkering, but I didn't really have that just because of the way things went. Um, we had a very short time in, in post and then we needed more money to finish it off. And there was kind of a hiatus. So it was more like, it was more that I was sitting around waiting to get back into it, you know, mm -hmm. but I think even that enforced time, even if you're not, like you say, you can't see the wood for the trees. It was like the trees become something different in that time. Mm. So then I think it's good actually to step back from the thing for a while and then return to it and see it in a slightly different way. Yeah. And uh, it's probably, it's probably is a different film inevitably to what it would have been if we just done it straight the whole way through. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's been picked up by Q Media, right? Um, they're doing the US release. Is there a planned UK Ireland release? Or well, Q Media are the international distributors, so IFC have picked it up for the US release. Oh, okay, very cool. And uh, that's why it's in the IFC Center mm -hmm. in New York. Um, and they do great horror, so that seems like a really good match. You know? Yes, yeah, no, they like. I mean, they represent the Babadook for start, mm -hmm. and you know some of those films that I really like. Uh, and they're a fantastic American distributor for genre stuff. So they've got it for the States. That'll be theatrical release and for a VOD. And then we have, uh, well, I'm told, you know, that I get told what happens. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have, to take off you. Yeah, we have sold it in uh, other multiple territories around the world, but all the details are being f kind of set in place. So mm -hmm. there, there's nothing that I can really talk about yet, right. but it will be getting out there. Somehow. Well, congrats. That's great. Yeah, and so you. what about future projects? Are you working on new stuff while you're doing all the release stuff for The Devil's Story? Yes, I'm always working on something and I'm actually working on a number of different projects that are various kind of stages, uh, which is always the way I think for most writer directors. And it's always a case of seeing who gets all the pieces of funding in place first. Mm -hmm. And I'm working with Fantastic Films in Dublin on okay. uh, a couple of projects. So and also with some other uh, producers in um, in London. And, uh, you know, um, I'm basically just waiting to see which one gets all the funding first. But I'd like to think that I'll be making a film next year. I'm also working on a TV series wow. uh, with a producer who's, who's from Dublin, but lives in uh, London that I've been working with for a while. And um, there's, it'll be either that or it looks like that's looking quite promising at the minute or else it'll be one of the feature projects. Very cool. And can you tell us what kind of like genre it slots into the TV show or anything um, like that? I mean, the stuff that I come out with always, if it's not horror, there's a dead body in it somewhere. <laughs> so it's, it's dark. It's a, it's a crime thriller um, that has, 
elements of you know hints of folk horror and things like that but it's not supernatural in any way it's mm-hmm. um it's all real life but it's essentially a crime thriller series that's really exciting i mean tv is definitely you know where it's at apparently <laughs> like everyone's branching into so so i hear yeah, yeah yeah it's all happening what are your favorite things to binge like when you're not working or do you do binge watches do i you? do actually i prefer to do that than to watch things in dribs and drabs which means that it takes me ages to go around to watching anything mm-hmm. i haven't watched the new twin peaks yet i'm oh, still wow. saving that i haven't had a chance <laughs> uh, the handmaid's tale as well i really like that um there's been a lot of good stuff in the in the past few years and i think tv has definitely had a it's having a big moment and uh, it's becoming very cinematic as well. It's not mm-hmm. the small, it doesn't feel like a small screen anymore. It's becoming much more uh, lush in terms of how it's shot and what it looks like. Yeah. So it's a really interesting time to think about making TV. Yeah, especially and for a writer director like yourself, it gives you the opportunity to tell something more long form, but also stretch your cinematic muscles, you know, at least these days. So Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you get to stay with those characters for longer and see where they end up. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I look forward to hearing more about it in the future. Uh, Ashton Clark, thank you very much. Thank you. That's our show. If you have any short follow-up questions for Ashling, she is on Twitter at Ashling Clark. We are at Galway Film. Like Ashling said, The Devil's Doorway is available to stream if you're living in the US, and I recommend you go do that. The Galway Film Podcast is produced by Grison Naman Skillnet Training. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes. While you're there, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. I'll be back next week when I'll be chatting to director Matthew Holness, who some of you may know as the creator and star of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, about his new film Possum. Until then, I'm Will Fitzgerald. Slongafol. So